Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by Chris Clark for a look ahead to this Saturday's matchup with Texas A&M. The Gamecocks opening up a five-game homestand with the Aggies, the ninth-ranked Texas A&M Aggies coming into Williams-Brice on Saturday for a 4 o'clock kickoff TV on the SEC Network. And, Chris, you know, an important five-game homestand for South Carolina. The Gamecocks are 2-2 two and two overall, 1-2 and two in the league. And in thinking about the remaining schedule this week, Chris, you know, it occurred to me that the Gamecocks – they played three teams in the bottom half of the SEC and an East Carolina team. You know, it's a pretty good mid-major type of program, but certainly not a top 25 team right now. And, you know, the schedule's getting a lot tougher as we move into October here, Chris. The Gamecocks have got five ranked opponents remaining with eight games to play, and it's going to be a tall order coming up on Saturday with Texas A&M, the ninth-ranked team in the country. So you know, give some thoughts on where the Gamecocks are right now. We're just four games into the year, and we know we've got problems offensively. Gamecocks starting a lot of freshmen, a lot of newcomers on offense, but the defense has been much improved. Improved, and that's been one of the bright spots this year. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think some of the things that we figured going into the season that were going to transpire have happened, and then they've happened on a larger scale. And and what I mean by that is you mentioned the defensive improvement. I think most of us figured, you know, maybe because of some uh, some experience that they had coming back at linebackers, some you know they do have some guys up front that can play football on, in terms of the front four. You know, we, we thought maybe their – not their depth, but their personnel maybe in the secondary would be a little bit better this year. And then, you know, having Will Muschamp and his system and his coaches in place, we figured all those things would help. But I think, honestly, now that the competition has not been great and it's not been the best that, they've see, that they'll see this year, um, you know, starting Saturday they're going to see some teams that can really light up the scoreboard. But they've played well against some capable offensive teams. And when you factor in how poor South Carolina's own offense has been, that leaves you in some less than favorable positions defensively from a field position standpoint, you know, turning the ball over at times. And they've really turned in from a points on the scoreboard uh, perspective. They've done a really nice job defensively. Uh, The roster's not where it will be in two or three seasons. Um, and I think there are some teams coming up beginning with this Saturday that are definitely going to put some points on the board and expose some of the weaknesses, but they have played well. Offensively, you know, it, it was a big, big question mark this year. The offensive line, though, has not performed up to expectations. Certainly part of that is they've got two guys who started the first two games out. Camper and Stanley uh, both each started one of the first two games, respectively, and they're out. They, they're sort of banged up up front anyway, aside from that. And then they just haven't played very well. They've got a freshman quarterback. They got Debo Samuel out, who they're counting on as their top playmaker. They got Randrikas Davis, who replaced Samuel out. Edwards has been banged up some. You know, there, there's a freshman running back. Top, top two tight ends are sophomores. There's just youth everywhere. You know, and when you, 
when you combine all those factors, it's sort of made it the perfect storm for the offense. They haven't been able to get it going so far. Chris, I don't think optimism is very high for a Gamecock victory this week, uh, at least in terms of the fan base, and that's due to the fact that the offensive numbers, statistically, the Gamecocks have been very poor this year. But, you know, I look at you know, trying to find a silver lining, Chris. The Gamecocks have not turned the football over, and I know they haven't moved the football, but I think you know, this is something that the Gamecocks can build on moving forward. So a couple of questions for you here. Do you, do you envision any scenario where the Gamecocks may be able to steal this ball game against Texas A&M this weekend? And uh, if not, or even if so, what areas are the Gamecocks looking to improve? we got a lot of season left here, Chris, and the Gamecocks got, got to be looking to get better. How do they do that? Well, it, it's honestly, it'd be very difficult to take a, a straightforward look at this game and, and project anyone but Texas A&M to win it. I mean, they are – you know, top to bottom, more talented. They're more experienced. You know, in a, one of our interview pieces on GamecockCentral.com with our friends over at AggieL.com on the Rivals Network, uh, they mentioned how on one side of the football, they don't have a single guy except for one who's not an underclassman on their on their two deep defensively. So, you know, and that's Daylon Mack, who is a super talented defensive tackle. Um, so they have a lot of experience. They have guys that have sort of taken their lumps the past couple years. They've improved. They got a lot of team speed. Offensively, they present a lot of a lot of problems with things that South Carolina struggles with. You know, uh, we saw South Carolina attack one space last week. They struggled against Mississippi State with it. They struggled against a mobile quarterback, and they can really run the football. You know, up the middle, zone read, in space, they can throw it. They can do a lot of different things, and defensively, they have a lot of speed. They have two really good defensive ends who can really get after the passer, and South Carolina struggled with the edge rush. Uh, they struggled running the ball up the middle, which is what Arkansas had success with last week, and they haven't you know, gotten a downfield passing game. So, you know, in terms of some silver linings, Emerson, I think you just – this team could improve during the season. Will that, will that translate into a whole bunch more points or – or more wins than losses, not necessarily just because of the amount of competition, the level of competition that they'll be facing, but this is experience that these guys are getting, and they need that. They need in-game experience. There's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores. Uh, They're banged up at key positions with not a lot of depth out there. So I think a lot of people are looking more long-term, and and look, this team wants to win games this year. They're they're trying their, their best to win games this year. There's no doubt about it. But I think a lot of it is, is you sort of look towards the future, what what some things could be. And, and definitely they've done a pretty nice job of taking care of the ball. And they're going to have to do that to be competitive on the back end of the schedule. But they're also going to have to put up some more points on the scoreboard and, and try to remain stable defensively. Gamecock Central Radio, Emerson Phillips with Chris Clark taking a look ahead to this Saturday's South Carolina-Texas A&M game. We invite you to download the Gamecock Central Radio app. We've got a free phone app. It's available on the App Store and on Google Play. Search for Gamecock Central Radio. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other popular services, or you can just visit radio.gamecockcentral.com. Chris, I spoke earlier this week with Wes Mitchell here on the GCR podcast, and Wes said that matchup-wise, you know, this is a real problem game for South Carolina. A&M's got as many as four wide receivers that will likely go on to play in the National Football League. They've got one of the best defensive line groups in the country, and this may be the best defensive team that Kevin Sumlin has had at Texas A&M. They're 4-0. They opened with a win over 16th-ranked UCLA. They won at Auburn a couple weeks ago, and then they beat 17th-ranked Arkansas at College Station last week. So A&M 
is a complete team. They're solid in all three phases. Yeah, and that, that's the word that Muschamp, Will Muschamp used to describe them was a, a complete team, the most complete team USC's faced. There's no doubt about it. And they're, by a large margin, the, the most talented team that South Carolina's faced. And you could, you could argue, you could make a good argument that it's the most talented team on South Carolina's schedule. Um, and, and it would be an argument because I think you could throw in uh, a couple other teams into that equation, you know, namely Tennessee, Clemson, you know, Florida defensively uh, would, would stack up there. But A&M's got talent all over the place. And, uh, you know, they've had talent for a couple years. And certainly, I mean, they blasted South Carolina here a couple seasons ago. But this is a more complete team than them. Their defense is better. They're older. They're more experienced, as I covered. Uh, they can run the football. Uh, it, it's sort of crazy to think that for South Carolina to have defensive success in this game, your, your goal was to make A&M a passing team. You know, and that's sort of odd to say because uh, when you think about A&M, people think about slinging the football around the yard, and they can do that. But they have, have not had huge, huge passing performances this year just because they've been able to run it so effectively. They got three legitimate running backs and then Trevor Knight can run the ball out of the zone read or he can scramble around he had a 60 something yarder to close out the game against Arkansas and he had two long touchdown runs on zone reads where he's basically untouched you know right up the gut so uh then as you as you mentioned Emerson they've got legitimate wide receivers Ricky Seals Jones may be out of this game but you know you throw in Speedy Noyle and Christian Kirk and, and Josh Reynolds, who is probably one of the more underappreciated players in the country, he's really good. Uh, you know, they got a lot of weapons, and they're playing pretty well up front. Then defensively, it's a bad matchup because, again, South Carolina struggled with edge rushers. They've got Deshaun Hall and Miles Garrett, and, and those guys, especially Garrett, he just wreaks havoc. He, he sort of reminds you of, of the impact that Clowney could have on games with his first step, but also he just – you watch him on film, and he's just collapsing plays. He just makes it, things go haywire up front for offensive lines. So you always have to know where he is. You have to, you know, have a plan to block both those guys, but then they're good inside, and they free up a lot of things for their linebackers to go run. And in the secondary, they're they're much improved from this team that South Carolina would have seen two seasons ago in williams Bryce. So it's a scary, a scary team in terms of their talent some of their experience, things like that. A&M's good. They're atop the SEC West standings at 2-0 in the league, and they have got a critical portion of their schedule coming up at South Carolina this Saturday at 4. Then they host Tennessee. Then they get a bye week, and then they'll travel to Alabama. So A&M's fate in the SEC West could likely be determined in the next three ball games. So we're looking forward to South Carolina and Texas A&M here. Chris, let's turn our attention back to the Gamecocks for a moment. I want to talk injuries and red shirts with you. Debo Samuel, Coach Muschamp said at his press conference on Tuesday that Samuel would be reevaluated today and a decision would be made as to whether or not he'll be able to play. Samuel missed the Kentucky game. What's the latest on him? Yeah, well, you know, there's no announcement uh, in terms of information that's been disseminated about his status. and uh, You're right, Muschamp did say that. I imagine if there's still a question as to whether or not he'll play, they'll just continue to assess him. Probably what Will Muschamp meant by that is that they'll, they'll have a good idea of, of whether or not he can play and then at all, and then maybe how much, because that could go into your game planning. And certainly you have to, you know, even if he is a go or if he's limited, you have to plan for that contingency of him not being there. So, just not really sure yet if he'll go. It would obviously be a big boost if they could get a, a Debo Samuel back that's quite healthy. Um, 
you know, how, how healthy will, will he be? It, it just, it just, we'll just have to see. Uh, they, as Muschamp has pointed out, have some methods, some, some basically machinery, uh, that can tell them, you know, it, it can assess, you know, the, the load that his hamstring can take and workload and things of that nature and really give them a better idea about how he can perform and how healthy he is. So they need him, uh, for sure the rest of the season. They need him healthy, but, at the same time, I'm sure they'll take every precaution to try to, uh, you know, not put him in any sort of danger to make things worse out there. But probably not find out until Saturday how much he's going to do. Okay, and the Gamecock rushing attack dead last in the SEC right now at about 90 yards per game. That's well uh, in back of the 13th-ranked rushing attack in the conference. Wes Mitchell earlier this week said that Rico Dowdle, the freshman running back from Asheville, could play this weekend. And he's a guy that you know might be able to give the Gamecocks a little bit of a spark or at least another option in the running game. What about Rico Dowdle? Will he play? Well, he will factor in on special teams somehow uh, to give them some speed and athleticism. What type of role? We'll have to see. You know, is that is it as a return man maybe? Uh, is it, you know, just out there being a gunner or running guys down and blocking people on special teams? We'll have to see. Um, but... In terms of running back, there's a lot more that goes into that. You know, now you're talking about, okay, learning a playbook, or at least a, a good portion of it. Um, you're talking about picking up blitzing linebackers and, and helping chip on a guy like Miles Garrett and things like that, and, and it gets a lot more complex. And remember, this isn't a situation with, say, a guy who enrolled in January and, and was healthy and went through spring and good bit of preseason and then – you know, just is coming off an injury he's had for a week or two. No, Dowdle enrolled in the summer, you know, and he, he missed a huge, huge chunk of preseason practice and didn't go through spring at all because he, he was still in high school. So this is a guy that from a reps standpoint and from a mental standpoint is just, it's just not anywhere close to where he needs to be. Um, he's not even a typical freshman in that sense because he just has not been able to take reps. It's tough to get him up to speed. Now, can they? Is there a possibility he could he could play? Maybe. I mean, he's a talented kid. Muschamp said he will play on special teams, and could he see some time carrying the football? Perhaps if they feel comfortable with how he's practiced this week. We we know he's got talent, but it, it takes more than that to become a heavy contributor that quickly after missing so much time. Dowdle scored 51 touchdowns as a senior in high school in Asheville, North Carolina. Will that translate to SEC success? We're all anxious to find out. Maybe we'll begin to get some answers this weekend. We'll see if Dowdle makes his Gamecock debut this Saturday against A&M. Chris, red shirts. A couple of players that were have been talked about a lot, and there's been speculation that one of them might redshirt since his arrival on campus this summer. That's Jake Bentley, the quarterback, the freshman from Opelika, Alabama, the son of running backs coach Bobby Bentley. Curious to know, uh, does it look like he's going to redshirt? He has not played this year. And what about Lorenzo Nunez, a player that, you know, did some good things for the Gamecocks last year, played some quarterback, has moved to wide receiver, and based on the fact that he has not played this year, it looks like that transition has not exactly been smooth. What about Bentley and Nunez, Chris? Yeah, I think there's a good chance to both redshirt. Uh, you know, Bentley has, as you pointed out, not seen the field. He continues to rep. He continues to travel. Um uh, and, and he's learning. And, you know, if he was a guy that had enrolled in January and gone through spring practice and been on an even playing field as far as reps and just being a part of the program, I think there's, you know, a decent chance he could be starting right now. Um, but he was a summer enrollee that sort of put him behind the eight ball, no fault of his own. I mean, this is a kid, remember, uh, you know, he, he's a kid that should still be in high school. 
you know, he skipped a year to enroll at South Carolina. So there, there's time for him, and he's got a, a bright future, everyone thinks. You can't completely rule out him playing this year, but South Carolina for now uh, f- feels like, you know, they want to make Brandon McElwain the guy and, and sort of build the season around him and, and let him be the guy this year. And then that'll, you know, in the future, you never know what's going to happen. I'm sure they'll open up the competition and see where things go from, from there. Um, Nunez, you know, I think there's a very good shot he red shirts as well. And he's one, one of the most talked about players on the roster because people have speculated ever since he got on campus that maybe he needs to be a wide receiver. And he showed a lot of open field running ability, and he's a big kid. But there, there's a lot more to it than that. You know, there's blocking, there's learning how to run routes, there's catching the ball. And, you know, he's had to try to continue picking that up. But he's still been an asset to the team, helping them out with some scout team quarterback situations and, uh, you know, just continuing to learn the position. He's had a good attitude. Well, Muschamp's praised him many times for that. So uh, they'll have to keep working him at it, and he's still got upside at that position. But it's just going to take some time. And it's, it, Right now, even with the injuries at receiver, there's still some other guys ahead of him. So it looks more likely than not that he could redshirt. All right, Chris, good insight today. We appreciate your time here on the GCR Podcast. Thanks very much. Appreciate you having me. Chris Clark here on Gamecock Central Radio, and I'm Emerson Phillips. We'll have more on the Texas A&M game coming up next week here on Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for joining us. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.